All right. Let's take our Bibles and turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 24. Proverbs 24. I have uh, not preached out of Proverbs for the last few weeks, and the reason being is because the next few verses, verses, well, 17 and 18 is what I was looking at, and I just felt as though that I had absolutely no light on those two verses. I would read them, and I would read them, and I would read them. And I just did not know. And I, uh, I read a passage of scripture that was such a, a blessing to me. I'll read it to you. It's out of Luke chapter 24. And when uh, the Lord met with uh, his disciples and the two that were on the road to Emmaus, after the Lord had, had uh, come to their house and then vanished and then they left and went back to Jerusalem, met there with the disciples. The Lord appeared unto them. And the scriptures said uh, in verse 45 of Luke 24, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. This is one thing that I'm reminded of and need to be reminded of and need to express to you. Our understanding of the scriptures is not by our ability. You say, well, I've sat under the, the gospel for years, since I was a kid. It doesn't make any difference. Unless the Lord gives understanding into the scriptures, you don't get it. We don't, we don't understand. And so I'm telling you, according to the frailty of my own flesh, not having any light whatsoever on Proverbs 24 verse 17 and 18 I was not going to try to say anything what am I going to say I didn't know what it meant but I think by the grace of God that the Lord has given me some some understanding has given me some light on it and so therefore I'd like to look at verses 17 through 22 not not only 17 and 18 but 17 to 22. Let me just read these passages of Scripture, and then we'll consider them for a few moments. Proverbs 24, 17. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. stumbleth. Lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath, from him. Now, before I continue on, I, I'm going to just say this. Believers do fall, and they do stumble, and the wicked watch for it, and they rejoice in it. I, I, I know this for a fact. I'll, I'll prove this. I'll read this to you. Psalm 38, verse 15 to 19. That, that, that there's a, What it does is it gives an unbeliever... It soothes his conscience. If he sees a believer stumble or fall, it makes him think, well, he's no better than I am. It gives him a false confidence, what it does. Listen to David, Psalm 
38, verse 15 to 19. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord my God. For I said, hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, they magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare mine iniquity, I will be sorry for my sin. But mine enemies are lively, they're strong. They that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. So God's people are sinners, saved by the grace of God. And they, they stumble, and they, they do, and... The scripture declares that, that when they do, the wicked finds great pleasure in that. It just gives them that, like I said, that false sense of security. Oh, I don't need to be going and doing what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're doing the same thing I do. What difference does it make? Number 19, fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious at the wicked, for there shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. My son, fear thou the Lord and the King. And meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamity shall rise suddenly. And who knoweth the ruin of them both. Now, our our passage today is one of divine warning against the wicked concerning their attitude and treatment of God's people and it's also a glorious promise of deliverance and safety who are found to be the objects of God's mercy God's people are pilgrims. They're sojourners, the scripture says. And we're traveling through a world that is not our home. It, we're, we're, we're in this world, we're not of this world. In this world, and I, I want to share something with you that I think that the Lord has, has taught me something of. When we say the world, I'm talking about the world and its religion, the world and its ways, the world and its thought. Now we're we're in this world, and and like I said, but we're not of it. We don't we don't do things the way that the world does. The world in the scriptures, and I'm talking about even God's people before they're converted, before they're called out of darkness. They're not of the world. They're not of the world. You say, oh, no, wait a minute. That, you know, uh, no. The world refers to the reprobate. What is the reprobate? The scripture says that the potter has the right to make one vessel unto honor and another vessel unto dishonor. Those that are made unto honor are God's elect. They are the chosen people of God. Those that are made unto dishonor are referred to as reprobate. They've never been approved. They've never been chosen. God didn't make them so. 
Let me reiterate that. God did not make them so. They made themselves so. But Almighty God is pleased to choose one unto salvation, to have mercy upon whom he'll have mercy and compassion unto whom he'll have compassion. And to another, he's pleased to harden. And nobody has a right to question that. Nobody has a right to question that. Who art thou, O man, Paul the Apostle said, who art thou that questions, that answereth God's word? Does the creature have the right to say to the Creator, why have you made me thus? What is the demand then upon a sinner? Repent. Hear the word of the Lord. If Almighty God is pleased to give a man hope, he's got some hope. If he's not, if he doesn't, he has no hope. But God's people, as I said, are not of the world. The Lord told them that. He said, you're not of the world. I've chosen you out of the world. But you're not. A, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. And I said, well, I still think that we're, somehow we're of the world. Not, not in that wording. The world is referred to that those that God's going to leave to themselves. When the Lord said, I pray for those that you've given, I pray not for the world, but for those that you've given me out of the world. I pray not for them. Whenever the Lord was hanging on the cross and there were those that were there that didn't know Him in regenerating grace, but were wagging their heads and mocking Him, you know, you know, then... What did the Lord say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He knew who he was praying for. He said, I pray for my sheep. That's who I'm praying for. I pray for the sheep. I pray for the elect. So therefore, when we consider God's distinguishing grace, and we speak of the world, we have to understand that the Lord was very explicit talking about who he Praise for. So, looking at the scriptures, rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it and it displease him and he turn away his wrath from him. Here's the first thing I know God's people are promised trouble in this life, in this life, for believing and following Christ. And that's what's implied. The Lord is speaking concerning those that are not His. Rejoice not when thine enemy... Now, He's already promised us that the world's going to hate us. They despise us because we're the Lord's. Matthew 24, 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. This, this world is not resentful toward free will works religion. In fact, it encourages it. The world, those that are left to themselves, those that God Almighty will in time prove to be of the world, they love everything that gives honor and glory the men, now here's believers, uh, uh, here's the elect, 
They're in the world. They're not of it. And they're doing the same things before God calls them out of darkness that the world does. Has the same... They look the same. How do you know? How do you know the difference in God's sheep and those that are not God? How do you know the difference? Before they leave this world, God Almighty will call them out of darkness. And they will look back and they'll know where they've come from. They'll know something about where they came from. And they'll realize, but for the grace of God, I would have died. So this, this world, it's resentful. The Saul of Tarsus that hated the gospel, hated the God of this Bible, and hated God's people. He was going after them. He was going after them. And after the Lord called him out of darkness, what did he say? I'm the chief of sinners. Why? I persecuted the church. I did the very thing that now I see them doing and I know what they're doing and they mean it just like I meant it. God's people are promised. Now, this is a verse of Scripture I just quoted. John 15, 9. He said, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, I've chosen you out of the world. Therefore the world hateth you. The reason that the world loves its own, religiously speaking, is that every variety of false religion can find some common ground of agreement. I'm going to admit that there's in every different denomination... Now you just go ahead and we'll just make a long list of all of them. All of them we can remember. We won't get them all. But let's just, just go ahead and list a few in your mind. Now you list all of those points, all those religions, different denominations. Now there's something different in every one of those denominations. There's something a little, there's something, in, 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 you know, it, it, may, it makes men feel better because if there's some little something I got this little nugget that they don't have. And it makes them feel more right. I, I know what you believe, but now this is what we... So I've got this little nugget here. But all of those things can be easily overlooked. You know, this, this, uh, they, they have... Uh, I said before, when I was in, in Tennessee, had somebody call me and wanted me to meet on the, on the square... There in Franklin, they got a big old statue there of a Confederate soldier right there in the middle of Franklin. We're all going to meet right there at the square. All the different denominations. Marvin, can we count on you to come and we're going to have a prayer day. And we're going to pray for Franklin. And we're going to pray for Williamson County. Pray that God, you know, we'll all meet together. All the different denominations. Can we count on you? I said, nope. You're not going to be there? I said, nope. Why are you not going to be there? Because I said, I don't want to be associated with them. I don't want somebody thinking, well, Marvin's, Marvin's there with them. And as soon as I show up, what I'm going to say is this, I agree with you. Oh, I might be a little different you know, here or there, but basically, I'm with you. When it comes to God's people being taught the surety, here's where we differ, right here. We believe that salvation 
is by the grace of God. And the faith given from above is what believes it. For we're saved by grace through faith, not because of faith. We're saved by grace. We only know it by faith. Faith does not add anything to our salvation. We're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ apart from any work whatsoever associated on our part. It is salvation totally by God's will and God's purpose and it is salvation that was finished by God before the foundation of the world and openly shown to be that foundation by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed at Calvary and it's revealed to men exclusively through the preaching of the gospel. And there's no common ground whatsoever with the world in that message. None. None. You can't do anything to merit your salvation, to procure it, to establish it, or to keep it. We're kept by the power of God. Again, through faith. Not by it. But we recognize it. We believe it. We rest in it. The Lord has ordained these things to be so. And He's determined that this is a way His sheep, His people, is going to be distinguished from the world. And for glory. We shall be conformed to the image of His Son. And it, it starts... In this life, there's going to be a refining of God's elect. We're going to grow in grace. But we're going to do so in the furnace of affliction. It's, it is so. So expect trouble. Expect that there's going to be uh, every reason in the world for us to cast ourselves upon the mercy of God and, and, to, and expect to be ridiculed. For His name's sake. We're in enemy country. We're in this world. We're not of it. And they're not our friends. They're not our friends. How do you know that? Don't seem like to me. The Scripture says that's so. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. The world hates you. I've overcome the world. That's what the Lord said. This world does not understand faithfulness. To the God of this Bible. He doesn't understand faithfulness to His Word. Or to His direction. His providence. We don't walk by sight. We don't walk by what we behold. Or what we think. Or what we figure. We walk by faith. We walk by the providence of God. Well why is this? Why does that happen? Because the Lord ordained it. Well the way I see it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Why couldn't Paul and his friend Silas, Neil, I can't remember. Who couldn't go to Barnabas? Whoever could. Paul and somebody. Couldn't go to Asia. Why? Because God said so. Your parents ever told your kids that? I don't want you to do this. Why? Because I said so. I just ended it. Why? Because Listen, they don't understand this. They don't understand. You walk by faith and there's no compromise. And if we... If we if we try to compromise His leadership, the Lord going to deal with us. 
And you're going to know it. And, we, and we're thankful. I'm thankful. I've always said this. Kids love to know where the lines are. They love to know. Don't, don't just set the lines. I guarantee you, buddy, when my kids were little, I, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. If I told them, I said, you be in by 11. I meant 11. I meant 11. I didn't, I didn't mean 15 after. And they, they love it. They love it. They think you're being mean. You're not being mean. That's, that's so settling. You know, I can't. I got to be home. My dad told me to. It doesn't matter. It may not matter to you, buddy, but it's going to matter to me when I show up late. Believe me. No, sir. It, this, the Lord's people know that, they lead, that He leads them according to His eternal purpose to do them good. He directs their steps according to His wisdom. And He's not going to leave them. He's not going to forsake them. So God's people, we expect, we expect that there's going to be tribulation. When Job was, according to the good pleasure of God, smitten of Satan by God's permission, he was smitten with sore boils from the sole of his foot to his crown. He took a potsherd, a piece of a broken pot, scraped himself with all, sat down amongst the ashes. That's Job 2, verse 79. And listen, then his wife said unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. How do you think that made him feel? This was his wife. He loved her. That's his wife. And how it must have cut him. But here was a man, Scripture says, perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil, that he departed from it. And he told the wife that he loved. Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. So here's, here's the first point. When Scripture is, is talking to the, the world, Rejoice not when thine enemy, God's people, falleth. Let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it. And it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Secondly, I got three points. The second one, but associated with that hatred that the world has, tribulation is promised from heaven. There is a divine blessing. Luke six twenty to twenty three. It says he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, "Blessed are ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God." Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company, company and shall reproach you and cast, you, cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Now, I want you to notice the blessing. It's, it, it's promised by the Lord to those that are poor in spirit. What does that mean? That means that I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there dwells no good thing. 
I know that. I, there's not a little good in every man. There's none good in me. And there's none good in you. There's none good but God. Therefore, you're bl- that you know that, that you realize, I'm, 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 I'm poor. I'm a helpless creature of the dust. Blessed are those that are poor. Those that hunger now. What? After the righteousness of God. And not my own. I can sit here and try to convince myself that I've been faithful. I've done, you know, that's what they're going to confess the Lord. Isn't that not right, Neil? They're going to stand before God in that day. I, I prophesy in your name. I cast out devils in your name. I, do. I, 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 want, I want to study. I want to be prepared. God has called me to pastor this church. But I am a frail creature. That has just been reminded for the last three weeks. I had no idea what the scripture was talking about. And when the Lord's pleased to give some understanding of it, I think it's the Lord that opened my understanding to that. And it just it it it's a humbling thing. I told you I heard Henry Mahan said he said the older I got, he said the more I realize how stupid I really am. What do I know? I, I don't know. I don't know anything apart from His revelation. Blessed are those who weep. What not not under the uh, the affliction of this life, but of the continual presence of sin and the struggles that come with it. Why? Because you're going to rejoice. You're blessed to weep now and see. Because you're going to laugh. That's what Scripture said. You you're going to laugh. For ye shall be blessed are ye that weep now what you see in yourself because you're going to laugh you're going to rejoice and blessed are those who are hated by men hated by men for Christ's sake for the sake of loving and believing the gospel I've said before I've known just a little bit many of you here a lot longer than I concerning the resentment that has been toward not only Katie, but other places. Where, but for what? For the stand that they've taken on the gospel. On the God of this Bible. And for loving the truth of this word. Of this word that gives no honor to men. It's not going to give anybody any honor. It's going to give all the honor and glory to the Lord. And thankful that, that God would raise up a pastor. In the mid-50s and leave a faithful pastor here all these years. You think. By the grace of God. Oh, listen. You, you, blessed are ye that weep now for what you see in yourself and for what you see in the animosity against others. But he said, you're going to laugh. Let me ask you this. You think Brother Scott's rejoicing? <laughs> you think he is? I do. I think he is. Does he know? Yeah, he knows. He knows. You know. Blessed are ye because God has shown mercy and grace, and it's given your heart to follow after Him. And those that see themselves as truly inadequate, totally dependent upon the Lord for life eternal. Those that, that know that unless He has mercy and, and the Lord has robed me in His own righteousness, I, I know this, I'm going to be cast out. I know that. I'm, I'm weak. I'm frail. You know, They grieve over what they see within themselves. And so, Blessed, blessed. We're taught to glory 
in tribulation. It's promised, but there's a blessing in it. There's a blessing in the tribulation. It's good. Tribulation, the scripture says, this is in Romans 5, 3 and 5. Tribulation, or the word is there, pressure. Pressure. You, ever, you know, I mean, when, when the world is caving in, it just pressure, pressure, pressure. This, this incident, this, this situation, it, it's just pressure. That's tribulation. That's what that word tribulation. Tribulation or pressure worketh patience. Now what does that mean? Patience. Endurance to submit to the will of God. That's patience. Endurance. To submit. Has, is he working all things after the counsel of his own will? And as I've said before, if, if whatever we're going through is, falls under the category of all things, then tribulation worketh submission to God's will. And, and patience, it, what it does is it worketh experience. What does that mean? Proof of God's truth. God's going to prove to us when we go through and we're made to endure by His good power and pleasure, He's going to show us, I told you. I told you. I mean, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. We see it behind and we say, well, I, I see it now. But buddy, I'm telling you, there's some times when you're going through it and it, it's just not that easy. It's just tough, you know. And, 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 and experience, it... What it worketh is hope. What does that mean? Expectation of glory that's promised. Do you really, truly believe we're going to see Him face to face? Really? Really? Do you really, truly believe we're going to be like Him? Do you really, truly believe that we'll behold Him and be like Him, be like as He is? Do you truly believe that? Yes, I do. Lord, I believe. Help mine unbelief. I believe it. You know. And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Those that have a, a good hope, a good expectation in Christ, they're, they're not going to be put to shame. Man, I'm telling you, I, I think to myself, there's times that I think, oh, do I truly believe what I'm preaching? Do I really believe this? Do I really believe this? Man, these doubts and these fears, I'm thinking, is this, am I just repeating something that I've heard? And I, I think to myself, Lord, like Peter, Lord, save me. I'm going to perish. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, Lord, I believe you. I've got every doubt and every fear that anybody has ever had. But Lord, I'm thinking, Lord, if salvation is not by the grace of God, then I don't have any hope at all. Because there's sure anything I've ever done that's ever merited. Lord, I believe you. Tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience, experience, hope, and hope makes not ashamed. You know. Thirdly, the wicked are warned against rejoicing in God's providential dealings with His people. Now that's what this scripture right here is all about. The wicked are warned. God has promised us tribulation. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. But He's promised that 
in that tribulation, there's a blessing there. And God's dealing with His people according to His will and His purpose, His good pleasure. And He's telling the world, be careful. Be careful. I'm warning you against rejoicing in my providential dealings with my people. Now let's see if I can make good on this. The people of God are God's people. That's, that, that's pretty plain, isn't it? The people of God are God's people. They've been chosen by Him in Christ in electing grace. They have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have been robed in His righteousness that they should be holy and without blame before God in love. Regenerated by the Spirit of God that indwells them who is the earnest of their expectation. They are the Lord's bride. They're the Lord's bride. His beloved sons and daughters that He's been pleased to have with Him eternally in heaven. And the way that God deals with them is according to God's will and He takes ill treatment toward them very seriously. Psalm 105, 15 Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. I want to just read something to you. I'm going to read this. You just listen if you want to turn. It's 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles, this, that passage of Scripture was taken out of this passage right here. I want to read it to you and how God takes it very seriously when people mistreat His own. I, I, I would tell you this. Uh, you, might, you might, you know, want to do something to me and say something to me or do something and, uh, and I, I might slough it off. But don't, don't try to get to Glenda. Don't try to get to her. Don't try to get to one of my kids. I might, I might let something go, but you ain't going to let your wife, somebody mistreating your wife or your kids. It ain't going to happen. If you do, it should not. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8. Scripture sets forth, Give thanks unto the Lord and call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing unto Him, sing psalms unto Him, talk ye of all His wondrous works. Glory ye in His name, and let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face continually. Remember His marvelous works that He hath done, His wonders, the judgments of His mouth. Oh, ye seed of Israel, His servant. Ye children of Jacob, his chosen one. He is the Lord our God. His judgments, his ways are in all the earth. Be ye mindful always of his covenant. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Even the covenant which he made with Abraham. His oath unto Isaac. And hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law. To Israel for an everlasting covenant. Saying unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance, when ye were but few, even few, and strangers. And when they went from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. 
Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. The Lord <clears throat> may be pleased to raise up a heathen nation like he did Egypt and try his people, prove them to be his people. But that nation that God allowed or was his tool, his servant, that's what he said concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He's my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. Pharaoh was God's servant in reproving, trying God's people. He may raise up that country and use that country to try and prove his people. But that nation that God allowed to do just exactly what God permitted them to do is going to be punished for touching God's anointed. The people of God, according to God's good providence, were in bondage in Egypt. And God sent a prophet, Moses, to tell Pharaoh, you let my people go. In time, because of God's judgment through plagues and upon Egypt, Pharaoh did just exactly what God commanded him to do later. And being left to his own selfish desire, according again to God's good will, he said, what? What have I done? Letting these people go. And so he pursued after them. They were hemmed up before the Red Sea, Pihahiroth, that little point we talked about. Here, here's, here's come, here comes Egyptians, and there's the Red Sea. Almighty God has placed them just exactly where he's placed them. He left Pharaoh to his own heart. To do just exactly what Pharaoh wanted to do. Now they're hemmed up. Pharaoh says in his heart, in, in his heart, he says, the earth's got them hemmed in. They're mine. Mine for the picking. Pharaoh thinking that he had God's people where he wanted them, he followed hard after them, the scripture says, and followed them right on into the Red Sea. That very place that God opened up. And allowed them to pass over safely. And after the people of God were over the Red Sea safely, God having delivered them, God caused the water of the Red Sea to fall upon the enemies of God. Satan desired to have Peter and sift him as wheat. And the Lord assured Peter that he would be tried but would be delivered. He said, because I've, I prayed for you. Peter absolutely denied the Lord, just like the Lord told him he was going to do, being tempted of the devil to sift him as wheat, and God's going to deal with Satan. God allowed him to do just exactly. Now, like those that, that you know mocked the, even the Lord himself. In the midst of all those people that were mocking, there were some, I know, that they were the elect. Because God, the Lord prayed for them. Forgive them. He was praying for a certain group. But those that were doing the same thing that God's elect were doing, while they were yet in a state of being unregenerate, the Lord Jesus Christ paid the debt of those that everlastingly loved him. You know what he's going to do to the others that were mocking him? He's going to deal with them in judgment. Now knowing what we've considered, 
I'm going to read our passage of Scripture again. And what I'm going to do is I was actually dealing with two verses, 17 and 18. But I'm going to go ahead and let verses 19 through 22 be part of this message because it is so self-explanatory. It demands, as Robert Hawker will say this many times, he said these scriptures are so so easily perceived by the, the mind made sensitive by the Spirit of God. He said my comments on them won't add anything to them, so I'm going to include them in this part. And I pray the Lord bless it to us. Rejoice not, verse 17, Proverbs 24, when thine enemy falleth. Now he's talking to the, un, to the, to the world concerning God's people. They're the enemy of the world. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it, and it displease him. And he turn away his wrath. Now that word wrath right there, it means his face or his dealings with. It's not eternal judgment toward God's people, but he turns away the way he's dealing with his people in tribulation and trials and sufferings and he said, don't, don't you touch them. Let God see it. It displeased him. He turned away his wrath from him upon you. And then he says to those that are tried, fret not thyself because of evil men. Neither be thou envious at the wicked. For there shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle, the light of the, of the uh, wicked... Uh, yeah, shall be put out. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king. I, I, I made a, a note on that. Concerning the king, it's talking about the authority that's raised up, this governmental authority. You respect and you fear the Lord because of God's providential dealings with his people, it's sure. But he's going to use authority that he's raised up for our good, for our safety. So he says, my son, you respect thou the Lord and the king. And meddle not with them that are given to change. This, this thing change right here, it means of opinion. Separate yourself from those that are they're uh, uh, given to change in their opinions concerning how a man is saved. They, they go from here to there. You, those at Mars Hill. Remember when Paul went to Mars Hill? He said, I perceive that you're too superstitious. You're very religious. You know, you don't know who you're worshiping. Separate yourself. Come out from among them. Be you separate. My son, fear thou the Lord and the King. And meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamity shall rise suddenly. And who knoweth the ruin of them both? That last, that last line right there. The ruin of them both. It, it, I, I just didn't understand what that meant. It meant concerning the Lord or the King. I can tell you that... Uh, Disobedience to God, failure to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ, it comes with a penalty. That penalty is eternal judgment. But concerning the king, what is the, what is the meaning there? 
Well, it's a breaking of the law. There's a penalty also. I, uh, I can tell you this, running a stop sign and having a police officer see you, it comes with consequences. God has raised up authority. That's why we're doing just exactly what we're doing right now in separating and social distancing because it's, it's set forth by the governor. This is what it is. This is, this is the law. Who, who raised up that law? God raised up that law. He did it for His glory and the good of His people. And so therefore, He said, you know, you respect, you, you fear the Lord. And the King. All authority is of God. So when we behold this truth, God's promised tribulation. In the tribulation, it's going to come with a blessing. But God has warned those that are of this world. He said, concerning my dealings with my people, He said, don't you touch them. I'm dealing with them. And you try to put your hand on them, and you try to afflict them, you try to do whatever you desire to do, and I'm going to deal with you. I pray that God bless this to our heart and teach us. It's for His glory and our eternal good. Amen.